Good morning. My mind is a gush with thoughts. I have yeah. so many thoughts, and I'm trying to Lots figure out which one to go with first. So I'll go with the first one. In case you didn't notice, there are no side aisles. So if you tried walking up it, you probably <laughs> hurt yourself severely. So uh, we were sitting at Nate's church. When I go to another church as a pastor, I, it's a spiritual discipline to sit there and say, don't look at everything they do and think about how you could do that at home. I'm there, I'm there to worship, I'm there to be with God and people and not analyze the joint. But uh, we sat down, we were in the side, and I looked over, I'm like, huh, they put their chairs right up to the wall. <laughs> That's intriguing, mental note. And so uh, came home, started, we've had a couple challenges. One is a fantastic challenge, that is, uh, while a lot of churches have done the shrink during the pandemic, we've done the expansion during the pandemic. So I love that part, but that meant we had to get another nearly 50 chairs in here mm -hmm. ultimately. We had added that back row, and it was getting close enough that people were having to touch Bob as they walked by <laughs> the video. And so we wanted to create a little space because Bob's not a big touch guy. That's not true. He does, actually. But, uh, so we wanted to get a little space back there, but we couldn't eliminate the chairs. And then watching y'all do communion, you know, because we like walking to communion. We love that, that idea that I'm, in, I'm intentionally making a decision to go to communion. So adding a little space there has helped. We'll try it for a little bit, and if it doesn't work, we'll try something else, and that week we'll make sure to leave the lights low so that you trip. <laughs> It'll work out fantastically. It'll be wonderful. But it is great to have you here today. So thought number two, got a new shirt. I'm so excited. I, I get a new shirt once every four and a half years. So I was at Green Lake this past week. I'm part of the uh, Green Lake board, and uh, Ben gave me a shirt, which was great. This is the uh, Roger Williams Inn logo. So when the kids go, they're staying in Roger Williams Inn, which is a, a hotel that was built just prior to the, to the depression, just yeah. prior to the collapse. And they put these beautiful new nameplates on each door. It's got the logo, the number at the top, black square. So I've loved watching this, this trip evolve over the years because oh, we've yeah. stayed in seven different spots now. Right. And because our group has gotten so big, they're like, we need to contain the crazy. So they've put us all into RWI, uh, which gives us not only the, the ability to have everybody you know, sleeping and staying in one building, but we also have our, our eating area, our gathering area, everything all in, all in one. And it's been really great. So to see your picture that you posted, uh, was it Friday? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's got me all fired up. Yeah, I'm super it's, excited. It's great. So we're getting excited about that. But I, I, so I've now started a new traveling habit. I've told you all about, you know, losing the wallet, but not really losing the wallet. So I left Green Lake yesterday. I wanted to get back, needed to get a graduation party. Got to hurry, got to hurry. Left, went out Route 23, about to take the turn on to 73 to head to Madison. And I go, shoot, I left shirts in the closet. So got to drive back over 10 minutes and drive, you know, man. I hope this is not a look into my uh, future. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's degrading, man. It's just horrible, horrible. And I'm kind of going, do I need the shirts? Well, this was in there. Of course I need the shirts. <laughs> so I went back, got the shirts, came home. Oh, my word. Okay. Anyway. But you never make mistakes. No, never, never. Care like, to confess? Sure. Um, <laughs> yesterday, Riley and I have been slowly building the landscaping in our backyard. Um, I didn't want to lose too much yard space, but there are just some spots that doesn't really make sense. We have neighbors at the back that have three dogs, and those dogs like to dig under the back fence. So 
I put three inches of dirt back there, and then we started, you know, we mulched and we started planting plants in the back so that hopefully those dogs can't see underneath and, and keep digging underneath the fence. But when I went to go plant said plants, I took the shovel. Who did you not call first? <clears throat> My good friends. Julie. Over at Julie. That beautiful woman, Julie. We love so, Julie. So hold on. She's our friend. Everything was good. I had all the plants in, ready. Last one, literally the last one. I dig and I hear a crack. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. I don't remember pulling up any like plants back here, so it can't be a root system. I go to the other side of the hole, pop, hear it again. I'm like, mm, this is not good. So I pull, up, I pull up the mud, I flip it over, and I see this orange cord. Roots like, aren't orange. Oh no. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I pulled up the the root to the internet tree. So I spent about two and a half, almost three hours dealing with Xfinity, trying to talk to a real person, which is apparently impossible. And uh, so we got it all figured out. So my, my poor wife has to stay home today because they've given us a nice four hour window of when they might show mm -hmm. up and get this all mm -hmm. done. And mm -hmm. I'm an idiot, so. Hey, but here's the thing, I called Julie once. She's very nice. And um, we, had, we had the line, we had the flags, we had the works, we're putting the posts in for the, for the uh, deck, and I get down the four feet, I'm trying to get there, and, and I just keep bang, 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 trying to, trying to figure out what this root is, and all of a sudden, boom, pop, sparks, smoke, we hit power. It was great. It was just, and I'm here to tell it, believe it or yeah, not. That was, it was nuts. So, Julie don't always get it right, but it's still a good idea to call her. She's, yeah. she's a nice lady, very Dude. nice lady. So... Do that two more times, and then, and then you'll start doing it, I promise. <laughs> it, it, eventually, it eventually happens. So. I do want to mention one more thing yeah. about Green Lake, because... You oh, have, we got a lot more about you Green have Lake, been anyway. Okay, well, you have been fantastic about getting our, the food donations in. We are pretty much set on everything except for those RX bars, the, the, chocolate, um, the chocolate bars. So everything else, like, we are set. If we get any more... We're not going to be able, like the vans are going to be literally like at the ground level. So uh, thank you so much for everybody who brought things. Uh, we, we got some extra stuff, some gluten-free stuff from the Kluznies that um, is just going to help with, with all the kids with allergies and everything. So again, for your generosity in that, like it's huge. It, it means a lot to, to know that we're all partnering in this together. It's, it's great. So have you ever been in Troster? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Troster is what? It's an art. Well, they have like, it's, it's big building that has two sides to it. So you mm -hmm. can make jewelry on one side and you can make ceramics and, you know, burn stuff. So kind of, and that side, the one side has rocks and all that sort of thing because mm -hmm. Mr. Craft was a rock hound. And so you got that going. <laughs> so you do all this crafty stuff. So if you go in there to do crafts, they have these fluorescent bulbs that they installed in 1944. And so they turn on the switch and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. And eventually they warm up enough that you're like, Hi, Brian. How you doing today? You know, it's, it's kind of kind of got that thing going. So um, Ben got a got a donation to get the lights in there replaced to LED, and uh, with uh, two weeks ago, I think Jerry Stroman and Michael Brown and Dave Papish went on up to replace those lights. And I'll tell you what, already the volunteers are raving. They're just raving. The light is beautiful. The best part of the trip. So if you know Dave, um, Dave hates painting. I mean, despises, just don't, you know, don't ever ask him to paint. So they take him up, what do they make him do? 
he gets to paint all of the fixtures. I promise <laughs> if he knew ahead of time that's what was going to happen, he'd have never gone. <laughs> but so got real acquainted with the spray can. But wow, that just, it made a huge difference. So here we got the student trips going, but we've also got adult trips. And we're actually going to be having an adult trip in the fall that anybody that wants to go and be a part of that will be able to be a part of that uh, opportunity to go serve. So good stuff coming with that. Let's go ahead and look at what's going on with uh, with. Uh, the update that came to you. So first comment, of course, is that Quest registration is closing in two weeks. Two weeks left. And Quest registration is climbing. So I looked this morning. We are 11 away from 200. <gasps> and so cool. I think another one signed up in between me looking at that and that time. So I think we're 10 away from 200. So it is just filling beautifully. It's amazing. It's awesome. You got a little bit of time left to get signed up for that. We're doing baptisms all summer long. So we're doing them at the outdoor services, but we don't limit to that. We will head over to the river. We can go at a time that works for you. So uh, if you want to get registered for baptism, you do that. Mm -hmm. Step in is today. So we step out to take a picture. We step in to learn about the church. We step up to what it means to be a member and a participant in the life of the body. Step in is today from 3 to 5, and then next week from 3 to 5, and I think we have close to 20 people registered for that. So that's going to be a, a great time of, of learning and growing together. If you hadn't, if you signed up for that, yeah, today's the day. So make sure you're here uh, for Step In. Um, do you have any student stuff outside of Green Lake that, that's going on that needs to be known? Yes, a couple things coming up that will all be sent out through Remind. I actually sent a message yesterday, right after I cut my internet, uh, that Revive Today is from 12 to 2. And we are going to be um, doing that. We have a, a couple of our, our college-age students uh, leading today, which is going to be really cool. Oh, wow. Because we have Minooka High School is graduating uh, this evening, so we're going to give everybody an opportunity to, to scoot over there. And uh, so we're 12 to 2 today. Ref Refuge this Wednesday is the same uh, normal time as it is next week. But then the last week of May, the last full week of May, we have a couple of cool opportunities. So on the 22nd of May, that's the Sunday, the last, um, the last Sunday that before Memorial Day, the eighth graders are going to get a chance to come up to Revive. So um, that the, week, the Sunday before Memorial Day, we will have um, eighth graders with us, normal time, six to eight at night, and then they get to double dip. So eighth graders get to come then on the 25th to Refuge, but that night, we're also inviting up our fifth graders. We love the opportunity to get our kids who are moving up a grade one, at least one week of experience, getting to know leaders, getting to know people before we head off to Green Lake, before we you know, get to know each other up there, and then come back. Um, so the 22nd, eighth graders move up. They get to double dip on the 25th with the fifth graders who are going to join us as well. Thanks so yeah. much. So we have, a, we have instituted kind of a new practice of right after church, we have the table over here that you can come, get your picture taken, a chance to step out of anonymity. We want to know your name. We want to be able to call you by name. We're actually today, for, for this day only, we're not doing it. After either service, um, I remember, remember a million years ago when I was a really good snowboarder? That, that one time that I went downhill that you asked me and then I tumbled and fell. and I thought it was a trick. Yeah, right. Well... That, that, that career caused a meniscus tear, and then, and then it, it healed itself theoretically, and then remember my football career? 
when I, when I played football at Thanksgiving. Well, my football career re-injured it. So I get to go Wednesday for them to fix that. But the adventure of it all is before you go in for anything, three days before you got to get a COVID test. And, and I've got to get it today. And it's only open till 2. And it's 45 minutes away. So not convenient. So I got to run, go do the Q-tip, find out if I'm okay. But anyway, so for today only, Julia, you get a break, all right? You can draw people instead or something, all right? So anyway, thanks. I'm going to pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for this uh, amazing day to be able to gather together in your house and uh, share love with each other and with you. I pray that we will be challenged uh, to continue to take uh, formative steps that bring us more and more into the image of Jesus. Pray that in his name, amen. You know, there's one more thing I keep forgetting week after week. I purposely pulled it up on my phone. Uh, Dennis Gorin was a, a Joliet police officer for many years and has retired from that, that role of service. But there's so many ways that he continues to serve in our community. And one is that he's been a, a leader of making sure that, uh, that flags appear at vets' graves at Abraham Lincoln uh, for Memorial Day. And so on Friday, May 27th at 8.30, if you want to, if you're free, you could, be, you could be there to put a flag on one of the 55,000 markers that are already in that place. Uh, that cemetery was not put in long ago, and we're already up to 55,000 uh, veterans and their family in that place. So uh, that's Friday, May 27th at 8.30. You basically pull in, you go to the main flagpole, uh, they'll have a brief introduction what to do. And any age can go. Uh, they have pictures of, of toddlers putting flags into the ground. So a uh, beautiful experience. So if you're free for that, uh, they, they do it rain or shine. It needs to be done for Memorial Day. So uh, let, me, let me just kind of, you know, we talk about Quest. We talk about Green Lake. So I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about some of the start of this stuff. I, I, show, I show up here at, in 1995, and I, I laugh right now because... Brian is the age I was when I came to be pastor. And, I, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of look at him as a 32-year-old and go, oh, my word. That's when I kind of walked in and started to figure out what in the world was going on here. And, um, and when I came, there was, a, there was a man on the board that many of you knew, Roger Swank, and not only on the board, but he was on the search committee. And, and he wanted to boil down as simple as possible to a 32-year-old what was really important. And so he wrote a list of six items. It wasn't even approved by the board. It's like, this is what we need to do. This is it. And if you knew Roger, Roger was a listy guy. He'd, he had a typewriter, and he'd type you a list, and he gave me his list. I have that list to this day. Six bullet points of things he said, this is what needs to happen here. This is what a pastor needs to do in this place. And I'll tell you what, I worked, I worked that list religiously. I'm not going to go through the whole list. But one of the things on the list was, we need to attract and hold young families. We need to attract and hold young families. And at that point, that church had been around long enough and it had life cycled long enough that the majority of the people in that church were, were way older than their 32-year-old pastor. And so we started talking about how do you get young families into the church? I love it because one lady had an idea and she's sweetheart. Oh, she's wonderful. She's like, it's 1995. She says, well, you know, back about 20 years ago, we used to have a church bus. And um, we could go to a corner, and, and I'll play an accordion, and we can hand out candy, and we can get kids to come to church. And I'm like, oh, this, in this environment, this is going to work. Stranger, stranger, cops will be coming, taking us away, you know. Yikes. So we're trying to, what can we do that will appeal to 1995? 
And, and Kim starts looking. We did vacation Bible school, the same kind of vacation Bible school that I went to growing up and Kim went to growing up. And we're like, what can we do to kind of bring that into a new century? And so um, started looking at Park District flyers and, and what the Park District did for day camp and, and trying to look and say, what ways could we model this to be something that an outsider would look at and say, huh, that looks familiar. And so we kind of went toward that model. And not only that, but, but we decided to have a, a big old tent out front so that it wasn't going to the church where nobody knew where you went or what you were doing, but you were out there in public. And then we had lots of fun activities on the lawn, a couple of zip lines going along. There's still a great picture of Jaron going down the zip line like a, like a 12-year-old, just having a great time flying on down there. And, and what was amazing is that people saw and people came. Lots of kids came. I mean, there was a year that we had over 300 kids at that day camp. And it was a little property, and it was just crawling like ants with kids. It was amazing. And, and as that happened, we started also to see more and more that goal was being uh, achieved of attracting and holding some young families. So it was really beautiful as that grew. Then someone in the middle of the night in the winter came along at one point and burned down our garage, just kind of having some fun, put the dumpster up against it, torched it, and everything associated with day camp was in there. And we're like, okay, we're going to probably have to do something else. Well, by then, we were getting ready to move out, head on over to the school. We had the years out, out of the school. Then we came over here and like, we've got this facility. In fact, it was even Roger, when we were doing the video about building a building, he said, look at this property. This place is fit for day camp. It's ready for it. And so and here we came on in, and it's time for a new era, a new generation. Again, not, not even now saying, what did we do in 1995? And let's do that, because guess what? 1995 is a long time ago now. It's a new generation. What can we do now? And here we are on the cusp of nearly 200 kids coming to be a part of this amazing event at our church. Can't wait. Brian came to be our youth pastor in 2012. We had had Justin live here for a few years. Justin was gone, and, and Brian graduates from college, and like a good pap, he didn't have a job yet. And so um, <laughs> and I was like, hey, would you mind three months, just three months, be our youth pastor? I, I said it was 2012, right? We're not great at counting. Um, as it turns out, that's 10 years ago, right? And, and in youth pastor life, that's like, that's 17 youth pastors. That's a, that's a lot of time. I mean, the average, age, the average life cycle of a youth pastor is about 35 minutes. So, you know, <laughs> he's been here a long time. It's been great. And he's, he's grown through some of, these, some of these kids who were little ankle biters when he, when he started or now in the youth group. I mean, when I see some of, the, some of the kids that are going to Green Lake this year, you know, Megan Lake, and I'm like, What? I thought Megan was still in second grade. Are you kidding me? Really? This is nuts. So he's been part of that. And one of the things that we wanted to do as, as he got started was, what could we do in terms of a missions trip, getting involved in that? And we looked at all kinds of opportunities. We looked at, you know, going overseas places and all that stuff. And two challenges came up, of course, the cost, because it's costly. And then we wanted maximum participation. We wanted to make sure that if somebody wanted to go, they were able to go. We didn't want, you know, a, a cluster of kids going and everybody else staying back home. And we had had a, a longtime family association with Green Lake. And so we looked at that and like, you know, why not instead of a missions trip, let's do a work trip? Because let's face it, we all could learn how to work. We could all learn how to work harder. 
And so this place is a, is a work project waiting to happen. You know, when you have 120-year-old buildings, there's always something that needs to be fixed. Always. It's funny, we're sitting in the board meeting talking about the sewer lift station and how it's this far away from death. And uh, we went out for our break, and in the toilets and everything, the water was rising. We're like, uh-oh, here we go. They had to come in. There's always something, always something that needs to be fixed. So how many kids the first year? 26 kids the first year. 26 kids. And they had a blast. They had a blast. And as that continued along and continued to grow and continue to change, more leaders were added, more kids were added. Every year they go, they, they have a morning of working, an afternoon of playing, and an evening of learning. And it's just, it's an amazing time for these kids to be able to connect with God, uh, to connect with nature in a different way. I mean, you're, you're out in the open, it's beautiful. To connect with work, to connect with leaders, some of whom they're with all year long, but you get them in a little different context, and it's really amazing. Now, here's the thing that I love about both of these, both of these events. They're, they're different than the normal. They're different than the ordinary. We need ordinary, right? But every once in a while, we need to do something so radically different that it changes, that it catches our attention. And we go, I'm not used to that. That's different than what I normally do. So whether it's a kid who may come for an hour on Sunday, but now they're here for hours for several days, or kids at Green Lake being taken from their normal everyday environment. You do a great job with youth group, but being taken from the everyday environment, from family, from all the things that they're used to, and taken to a place that's totally different, some really great things can happen there. And what I love about this, what I really love, you know, we, uh, we have a little tagline. We're about being simply life-changing. We want to make sure that these aren't just programs and events that we're putting on and saying, wasn't that great? Let's do it again next year. We want to make sure that little kids have the chance to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to make sure that a 15-year-old who is at a point of trying to decide, is it God or, or is it the way of the world, has a chance to really think about what's going on in that place. You know, a lot, we have kids graduating today from high school. And you know full well that walk away from high school, it starts to be the walk away from mom and dad. And now the question is, is it my faith or is it mom and dad's faith? Am I going to own this or was this just something our family did together? And so we think it's vitally, absolutely vitally important that we recognize as a church that there is, there is a huge spiritual component to both of these things. It's not just a program we put on. But the Spirit of God is using this to work mightily all throughout the week. And so I'm asking you to do something with me. At a weird time of year, I'm asking you to take some time for focused prayer and focused fasting. We need to take a couple weeks for focused prayer and focused fasting. For focusing on these kids, focusing on the leaders, because believe it or not, leaders' lives are changed too for really focusing and making sure that we're not just doing a great program, but we're really doing the work of God. We're really doing the work of God. We're seeking the face of God. We're being empowered by God to do something that is absolutely supernatural. We've often began our year, the last few years we began our year with a, with a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this year, I wanted, I wanted to tie it instead to these events. 
wanted to make sure that we tied it to these events so that we have these specific things that we can look and say, God, we are looking for you to change lives. And the reality is some of that change we'll see on a week in June, early in June. We'll see on a week late in June. But some of this change we may never see because we're old or we may not see until, you know, 2035. But it's based on prayers and fasting that were done in this season at this time. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, practicing prayerfulness. Uh, this was part of Rooted, right? The rhythm of prayer. And we want to go, Rooted was nice, now it's done. We want to keep working the rhythm. We're working the rhythm of prayerfulness. If you still have your Rooted book, you go to the back. There was a whole section on fasting. It was a great section. You need to go back, look at it, and read it. We want to continue to work this rhythm. So a piece of what we'll do next week, like we did during the rooted, uh, rooted time, we're going to come together. It'll be a morning of just lifting up our voices to God, praying together, gathered together, praying for these things. But we also want to add the, the component of fasting. And for some of you, you hear fasting, you're like, yeah, I've heard of it. I know about this whole intermittent fasting. I'm not talking about physical fasting for the sake of I need to drop 20. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a spiritual fasting that empowers prayer. It truly empowers prayer. So we're going to cut through this this morning. If you've never fasted before, you've never been a part of fasting, I want you to understand the basis of it, why we're going to do it, and how we're going to do this together. What do we learn about fasting? Fasting is expressive. Fasting, in a sense, is a way of speaking. It's a way of speaking to God without words. What does it express? Well, for one, it expresses sincerity. It's not that we're ever insincere in our prayers, but sometimes we say, no, God, I really mean it. I really mean this. I, I mean this with all of my heart. This is important. When a person goes on a hunger strike, they're willing to die for a cause. They, 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 don't, they don't just dabble with it. They're, they say, I'm not going to eat until this changes. And there have been people who have literally died in hunger strikes because they, they were sincere about the particular thing that they cared about. We have a way of expressing sincerity by saying, God, I'm pushing this particular thing aside right now for the sake of expressing sincerity. This is what happened in Nehemiah. He hears about the trouble in Jerusalem, that the walls are falling, that the people are having difficulty. He says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, I prayed to the God of heaven. He just, he had a sincere, it's not that he didn't pray all the time, but this was breaking his heart. This was important. It expressed sincerity. Not only does it express sincerity, it also expresses intensity. And you say, well, those two words are the same. Oh, no, they're not. Intensity, for one, means we have a focused season of doing this. I, let, let, let me just ask a question, okay? This, this isn't a tough one. If you decided to fast for the rest of your life, never eat and never drink again, how would you do? We'd be at a funeral pretty soon, right? The fact is, you can't fast that way all the time. You have seasons of intensity, seasons where you ramp it up, seasons where you say, for this day, for these days, for these weeks, I'm going to do this in this season of intensity, this season of focus. But beyond that piece of intensity, there's also just the ramping up of this really matters. This is, this is front page stuff for us. David went, or Daniel went through this. 
He's praying. He's heard the, the word from God about what's going to happen, what's going to happen uh, to Jerusalem, the seven years of desolation. He says, I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him. Do you hear it? That's intensity. I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. He's, this is an intense thing for him. This really, really matters. So it expresses sincerity. When I'm fasting, even without saying a word of prayer, I'm saying to God, I'm sincere about this, and this matters. This is an intense thing here, God. And it also expresses dependence. And it is possible that of all the things we're talking about in fasting, this may be the number one for us. Whether it's camp or, or, or Green Lake, God, we need you. And we, we can't do anything of spiritual significance, literally anything. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he says, with me, you can do a lot. You can do an awful lot. Are we with him the way we need to be? There needs to be a dependence. We see stories of dependence and fasting throughout Scripture. I just listened my way through Judges, and there's a story about a point that the, that the tribe of ben Benjamin needs to be punished, and, and the other tribes have to come up in war against them, and the battle does not go well. And, and, they're, and they're struggling with that and just having a difficult time praying, God, what is your desire for us? They're seeking direction from God. We have, we have Jehoshaphat. When, when he learns that a battle is coming up against him, he, it says Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He ordered everyone to fast. He's like, we need to depend on God in this. We truly need God. The same happens for Ezra. As, as he's about to send some people on a trip, he, he fasts and prays. He's like, God, we need your protection. They're dependent on him. There's this constant dependence, this constant desiring for God to help us along the way. Part of our passage this week at, at, at Green Lake for our uh, devotional times together was found in Deuteronomy 8 where it says that the Lord sent manna to teach us that we do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's dependence, that I need more than just the physical to sustain me. You remember when Jesus is with the disciples, he's, he's at the well with the women, and they come back with food, and he says, I don't need that food. My food, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, the one who sent me. Jesus himself, when he's in the wilderness, says to Satan when being tempted to make bread, he quotes Deuteronomy, we do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. It expresses dependence on God. I depend on you, Lord. We depend on you as a church. We're, we're, not just, we're not just slick pulling off a program. We're depending on you to do something truly spiritual in this place. The, the last thing I have here, I, I really believe fasting in itself is prayer. It's wordless prayer. Throughout my time of, of not eating, not doing whatever I'm not going to do, it is a constant prayer being lifted to God. What, what am I doing in prayer? I'm expressing sincere desire. What do I do when I pray? I'm expressing sincere desire. My whole life becomes a prayer. This is praying without ceasing. The activity itself is being lifted to God as a prayer. I find it intriguing that when, when Esther asks the Jews to pray for her when she's about to go in to the king and perhaps be killed because she does not have permission. She doesn't say, pray for me. She says, fast with me. The activity itself was a prayer. The activity itself was an opportunity to pray to God, to express sincere desire. So 
Fasting is important. On top of that, fasting, fasting always has a purpose. We don't just do it for the fun of it. We don't just do it to drop 20. It's a great thing to do, but that's not what this is about. Why do we do it? Well, one of the main reasons you see in Scripture is it's an expression of repentance and humility. People realize that they've sinned, and they enter into a season of fasting and prayer to humble themselves before God. We see this in Joel chapter 2, where it says, even now return to me with all your heart, the Lord says, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Tear your hearts, not your garments. Don't just, don't just look sad on the outside. Be sad on the inside. Repent. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing in its place. We express repentance we express sadness over sin. We express humility. Uh, David expressed sadness on behalf of uh, his enemies. He was, he was willing to humble himself, repent for his enemies, with his enemies. We see Ezra repenting for sin that the people had committed, realizing the people had committed sin, and he's like, I need to be a part of their repentance as I pray. So it's an opportunity to express repentance and humility and mourning, mourning as well. We, we see this with when, when Saul and, Dave and Jonathan die, the nation fasts. It's a way of expressing the sadness they were feeling. And, and the same again, like I said, with Ezra. He fasted because of the sin of the people. There was a mourning there, a sadness over the sin that had taken place. Fasting is also an action of devotion or worship. We're actually, we're actually, it's like we're singing to God when we're fasting. It's like we're, we're enjoying that kind of worship of God. We see that of Anna in the temple waiting. What did she do? 84 years old, fasting and praying, worshiping God. We see it in the early church. Acts chapter 13 says that all these people were gathered together, and it says, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. It, they were just, this was part of their act of worship to God. It's a chance to say, God, I, I belong to you and I love you. Fasting is also an expression of longing, deep desire of the heart. We have that very sad incident in the life of David where he commits adultery with Bathsheba and a child is born because of that. And, and, and the child dies. And David is mourning and fasting and praying that the child will not die. How many of us have had longings for our children, longings for a child, whatever it may be, a longing, that deep, intense longing, and fasting can be tied sometimes with that level of longing. How about spiritual decisions? You're making a spiritual decision, it's important to take on some spiritual action. We saw in Acts chapter 14, when, when the church is being established, they, they fast as they're about to establish elders in that particular church, making sure that they're truly following the guidance of God. And we fast for spiritual breakthroughs. Sometimes you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and you're like, I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to fast as I pray in intensity, in sincerity. We see this with, with Daniel. He's praying. He receives a message. He wants to know what it means. He starts to pray about that message. It says he fasted for three weeks. He ate no choice food. So he ate some food, not the great food, not meat, not wine, and, and he didn't lotion up. He, he, he was just like, I'm going to spend some time fasting. What's amazing is the part of the passage that follows 
when the answer to prayer comes, the angel makes clear, I was trying to come since the very moment that you started fasting and praying, but I was held up by a spiritual force. I wasn't able to get through, and you kept fasting, and you kept praying, and in the process, I was unbound and able to come to you and deliver this message. We fast for spiritual breakthrough. There is a spiritual battle going on all around us, and we are unaware of it. We're completely unaware of it. We need to pray for those spiritual breakthroughs. Now, let me say, fasting is confusing, okay? One question people ask is, is it commanded in the Bible? Because it's not commanded. I'm not doing it. I mean, but if it's commanded, I might think about it. Well, the truth is, uh, you will not get a direct church. you got to fast. What you do get is Jesus saying, when you fast, what does that sound like? An assumption that will fast. When you fast. Or the fact that Jesus himself thought it important enough to fast for 40 days. We want to be like Jesus, except wearing sandals and fasting, right? No, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus in this as well. So then the other question is, but it seems like it's condemned in the Bible. There are times that it's almost like you shouldn't fast. There are certain verses that make it seem like there's something wrong with the way people fast. In fact, John's disciples come to Jesus and say, why don't your disciples fast like us? Would seem to imply that maybe there was something wrong with fasting. You go over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Remember when, when Saul is trying to do something great for God, supposedly, and he, and he doesn't obey God completely, and, and Saul, Samuel has to say to Saul to obey is better than sacrifice. He doesn't say, obey, don't sacrifice. But he says, don't you dare think a sacrifice is obedience. A spirit of obedience needs to be there. What's the spirit by which we fast? What's the spirit that we undertake when we fast? Is it all simply externals? Or is there something truly spiritual going on? I think the other question that comes up is, you know, how can we keep our fast secret? We're going to do, do a corporate fast, but, but Jesus seems to say, hey, when you're fasting, don't tell anybody. So here's the way we're going to do this. We're not going to tell everybody we're going to fast, okay? No. What's he saying here? He's saying, don't be a show-off about it. You know, don't be, we, we can be kind of ugly about showing off our spirituality, about, about being a little better than other people. Oh, eating a pretty big burger there. Well, I've been only eating broccoli this week because I love God. That's what Jesus is talking about. <laughs> That's what Jesus is talking about, okay? He, he's not saying that, that you can never say anything. He's saying don't live in a state of judgment that you're so holy that you fast. That's not what it's about. This one's tough. I fasted, but I didn't get my answer. I, I thought that this was for spiritual breakthrough. I fasted. I'm still waiting. You know, he gets at the, into that in Isaiah 58. The people were fasting and fasting. They're like, you're not there for us. What's going on? And in this particular case, he says, it's because you're spending the fast on yourself. And the bottom line of it all is fasting is not about getting the answer. Fasting is about getting God. It's about getting God. It's about getting more of God. It's about feasting on God. And it is possible that we won't get the answer, but you know what we get? We get more of God. That's what it's about. So how do you fast? Here's some suggestions. Complete or partial? They're both biblical. Complete, just stop eating and drinking. Boom. I'm going partial, all right? <laughs> Daniel did partial. He had certain things he didn't eat. 
He had certain things that he pushed away. Not everything, some things. I think what it needs to be is something, you know, some of you are saying, well, that's it. I am fasting from liver. No liver. In fact, I'm fasting for the rest of my life from liver. That's it. It got to be something you feel. Something that hurts. Coconut explosion ice cream from Green Lake. You know, it's got to be something you feel. Something you'll go, man, I miss that. I want that. It can be food, but it doesn't have to be food. It could be an activity. Something you decide you're not going to do for a bit. It may be a connection. You know, a piece of fasting, silence and solitude is fasting from people. It's fasting from connection. Like some people choose to do uh, a social media type of fast. I would say mostly it's fasting from favorites. What's something that you really enjoy that you're going to push away for a little bit and say, I want God more. I want to hear from God more. That's more important. Some final thoughts. It needs to be disruptive. Something that you feel. You know what I mean? Not just something, again, liver, something you never do anyway. There needs to be a little bit of disruption in your life. It's something that should be missed. It's something that should be a sacrifice. It serves as a reminder every time I, I reach for that food. I mean, when I'm fasting and I do like I'm only doing vegetables and I'm only doing, uh, I'm not doing bread and I'm not doing snacks and I'm only doing water, do you know how many times I reach for the wrong thing all the time? I, my hand goes reflexively to chips. I don't, I don't even have to think, boom, there you go. I stole somebody's chip yesterday at the picnic. I mean, you know, my hand goes for, my hand can't help but grab a chip. And in that moment, you have that reminder, whoops, I'm not doing that. Why? Because I'm praying. Because I'm praying to God. It serves as a reminder. Here's the other thing, though. It's not fasting to give up a sin. Well, that's it. I'm not going to swear for the next two weeks. How about making that a lifetime commitment? All right? <laughs> I mean, fasting isn't, I'm going to give up something I do wrong. That's repentance. Totally different deal. And you should repent. And some of us, it's, it's literally one day at a time repentance, right? But it's repenting. That's not fasting. And I think for so many of us, it's still, it's incredibly unexplored territory. We do not know the power that could be revealed if we would just finally take this seriously. So I've sprung this on you. You know, I've sprung it on you in May graduation parties, weddings, all this great stuff. Glad you want us to fast. You have to think it through. How are you going to do it? Because we're starting tomorrow. <laughs> so eat up. Starting tomorrow. Ending Sunday, May 29th. The day before Memorial Day, okay? So you can have your hot dog. <clears throat> you need to determine your fast. What's it going to be? And in the process, you need to prepare your heart. Because some of you, the second you hear fasting, you go, oh, brother, I hate giving things up. No, that's not it. This is about getting more of God, not getting less of the thing that I'm pushing aside. Start your fast tomorrow, whatever it is, and the fasting will be associated with prayer. And we promised you this. That email address, we don't, we don't flood you with things, but for the next two weeks, you're going to get something every day. Every day, you're going to get a scripture passage a devotional thought, and every day you're going to get something specific to pray for Green Lake and for Quest. Every day. And we're going to pour out our hearts before God. And you know what? We might see tremendous results, and we might see none. But here's what we'll know. We did this in the power of God. That's what matters. We did this in the power of God. We didn't do this in our own strength. We did this in the power of God. So, Father God, help us.
as we enter into a short season of pushing something aside. And as we push something aside, help us to fill that space with more of you, with more of spending time with you, reading your word, praying to you, desiring you. God, I pray that we would have the privilege of seeing the tremendous impact that comes when we devote ourselves to you in prayer and fasting. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's go to communion. Bread, cup, two tables at the front and two at the back. Let's celebrate together the Lord our God. So the irony of the word fast is that it's supposed to have the opposite effect. A fast slows us down. A fast slows us in the presence of God. And that's exactly what we're going to do as we worship right now. Some songs that we might normally sing at a little higher energy, we're going to slow down. Slow down in the presence of God. Let's join together. put my trust in you and I will not be shaken. Sometimes we sing those words like that's a pretty song. And sometimes we sing those words and we're holding on for dear life. And we're thinking, do I really mean this right now? You know, a lot of times our music ends and, and it's kind of got so much energy that you're going, okay, let's go storm the castle. <laughs> and then there are times that you go, ah, we needed that today. We needed a, a moment to just, ah, in the presence of God, to be quiet in the presence of God, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so you head off today and you're trying to figure out what your fast is going to be. We didn't prescribe one for many reasons. All of us have a different life. You know, I say no parties. And you're like, what about my graduation party this afternoon? No parties. Um, or, you know, you got weddings, you got stuff going on, you got health issues that you can't do what I can do or whatever. So you need to choose something. And I'd encourage you, it might not be easy, but choose something with your kids too. Your kids are part of camp. They can be praying for their leaders. They can be praying for their friends. Probably not a good idea for them to tell their friend, I'm fasting so you'll come to Jesus, okay? So <laughs> tell them that, tell them that. But you know, um, let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let's see what God does when we approach him this way, all right? So enjoy your week. Look forward to seeing you again next week.